0: before I even get started I mean just that the song our requested, the anthem that's one of my favorites and God has always been faithful to me and I've, I've learned in this last week uh, even just with our Bible study on Wednesdays that you know God is faithful to his people to each of us we don't always see it if we could always feel like we, when we're singing this song, you know that He's always been faithful. Remember, but we don't. Um, we don't always do it, but He is faithful. So I hope I can bring some light on that. Austin has been certainly been teaching some big words to us in the last few weeks. So if you've been here, immutability, transcendence, eminence. I'm more familiar with sovereignty, but it's still a weighty word. And these are foundational truths of our faith. And I felt he was helping me get a better grasp of their meaning, of who God is. God is immutable, unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And he talked about the fact that he couldn't be any worse, he couldn't be any better. He is God It is he is who he is. He's immutable. He doesn't change. He's transcendent, lofty, majestic, beyond my understanding. He's holy. The passage he used from Isaiah to imagine Isaiah seeing the Lord and his response is, woe is me. I'm I'm ruined. This is a true encounter with Almighty God. It makes me think of a song that you all may remember called, I Can Only Imagine. If you remember the chorus, it's surrounded by your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or will in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? And I think we find Isaiah fell to his knees and many fell to their knees. Will I sing hallelujah or will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. That's how I think of our transcendent God beyond my imagination. God is also eminent. He's knowable. He enters into creation and he's involved with us. Austin used Jacob as an example here with his dream of angels ascending and descending. And God promises Jacob then that he'll bless all people through his offspring and that he will be with him and watch over him. There is nowhere you can go away from his presence. Nowhere. That's his eminence. Really think about that. And then think about the idea that you can know him. Now I don't want to you, but I mean that was a hard thing for me to wrap my ha- mind around. I still have trouble with it. But a few years ago, when I was trying to memorize Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, and I'm going to say I did at the time, but I couldn't recall it now uh, But as I kept repeating it to memorize it, 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 I became more and more overwhelmed. God wants me to know him. The the verse says this, this is what the Lord says, Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, and that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. God dwells with us and in us. And He wants us to know Him in His imminence. Last week we heard about sovereignty. I know a lot of people are thrown by sovereignty. Presbyterians deal with it a little better than other denominations sometimes, but sovereignty to me is a great comfort knowing that God is sovereign, that He knows all. He used the passage last week from Genesis 45 about Joseph and how all that Joseph went through being thrown you know in a hole and then sold into slavery and then into prison and then accused of rape and I mean all these things and then when his brothers see him of course they're horrified and he tells them God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance so it was not you who sent me here but God see that that's hard to understand sometimes that God calls, he he calls this to come about. The suffering that Joseph had to go through was in God's plan. We can't understand it. He is sovereign and knows. God knows all things and even when we don't like to think that it's his hand in certain events and we look around the world today and it's hard to imagine God's hand in those events. The war in Ukraine, the suffering and starvation in so many places in Africa and around the world and All that's going on in Haiti, and we could just name so many countries that are struggling, and our own with different things that are going on. The the mass shootings we've had recently, children killed, students, anybody shot. How can he be God? How can he be sovereign? But that's the whole thing. Unless he knows all these things, he can't be, and he is. Reading through some of Job again, I can hear clearly as God tells Job, God is greater than man. How's that for a statement? You would think it would shut him up, but it took 41 chapters before Job finally in chapter 42 replies to the Lord and says, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. It took him a while, but he got there. And that's the way it is for us. A lot of times it just takes us a while to get there takes a lifetime to just begin to see and understand who God is we are such finite beings so before we look at the faithfulness of God despite our finiteness and lack of faith let's pray Lord as we look into these scripture passages today as we talk about your faithfulness to us be present Lord your Holy Spirit come you speak the words, Lord. You take it to the ears as you want it to be heard. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In a book by Dane Ortland called Gentle and Lowly, he mentions that if we could pick one passage from the Old Testament to answer the question, who is God, it would be hard to improve upon chapter 34 of Exodus, which Austin has been using each week. So I'm going to read part of it again today. This is when God is revealing Himself to Moses, causing His glory to pass by Moses, whom God has already put in the cleft of a rock so he isn't killed immediately by seeing His glory. And at that critical moment we have in our passage where He came down, the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with Him and proclaimed His name, the Lord. And He passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord the Lord. And Austin explained to you it's all in caps. His name was so holy and powerful, they wouldn't even say it. I and mean, they wouldn't say it completely. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children. And children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Verses five through seven. As we've been hearing this as God's statement about himself, this is how he describes himself to Moses. And again, Ortland in his book quotes another man, Richard Sibbs, and says this. If we would know the name of God and see God as He pleased and delighted to discover Himself to us, let us know Him by those names that He proclaims there, showing that the glory of the Lord and the gospel especially shines in mercy. Now today I want to talk about faithfulness, God's faithfulness, but so often His faithfulness is made known to us in His mercy to us. Um, I've written some notes I can't see without my my glasses, but I can see the rest. In in researching the Hebrew word for faithfulness, I found something interesting. The word that's used in in this text I had to look for because it's... See, I need Austin here. I didn't do Hebrew, but the Hebrew word is emeth or emet, which means truth, stability, security, certainty trustworthiness. It is sometimes translated as faithfulness. But the main definition, the root of that is truth. The American Standard Bible, if you have that Bible, it's going to translate it, loving kindness and truth, because it's a more literal translation, so it's using the more literal word here. And it does mean faithful. It carries that, that stability, the one we can depend on, that Solid rock. God is truth, abounding in loving-kindness and truth. Ortland also mentions that this is a covenant language. The Hebrew word for loving-kindness here is Hesed, which along with God's truth, refers to God's special commitment to His covenant people. To His faithless people. Let's be, be honest. We're faithless. He is faithful. He will not forsake us even when we deserve it. He's not simply part of the covenant. He is abounding in his commitment to it and to us. It will not dry up or disappear. The love and faithfulness together are solid, firm, and true. It's no mistake that these words are put together. Love and faithfulness. We need for them to be together I used to have this little saying I always said I don't know where it came from it's anonymous it's a um, love without truth is mush and truth without love will crush but I found a quote by John Stott that I think is even better particularly when we're looking at this that God has this faithfulness that he has to us love now our love grows soft if it is not strengthened by truth. And our truth grows hard if it is not softened by love. Now let me say that again. and You kind of get this. You need to have it. Our love grows soft if it is not strengthened by truth. And our truth grows hard if it is not softened by love. Stott mentions this for us and how we live. But think about it with God. It it can be in reference, and this, this we're hearing, loving kindness and truth, it's in reference to God's truth about himself. He is abounding in loving kindness and truth because of his loving kindness and truth. He keeps his covenants. He doesn't give up on us. He keeps his promise. He does not crush us with his truth because he could without his abounding love to go with it. The next passage I want to read today, and I didn't notice I didn't tell you before I read it, is is from Psalm 89, if you want to look at Psalm 89, just the first four verses. I was a little ambitious when I was talking about doing this, and I was talking to Austin, and he he was... No, 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 I mean, I would have gotten into much more, but this says it, Psalm 89. And it made me think of our praise song we did today, too, is Love Endures Forever. It's all in here. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever, With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. This is the word of the Lord. We are again hearing faithfulness and love together it really isn't an accident the hebrew in this passage is emunch which is says the same root as emet and it means firmness steady security aren't we all searching for that firm truth for steadfast security for stability and trustworthiness what is truth You know, if you look it up in the dictionary, it's going to say a fact or belief that is accepted as true. But today in this world, how do we know? But God is truth. And He wants us to know Him. To know Him as truth. The world may give us alternating versions of the truth. And I've heard so many people say we can't trust truth anymore. We need to keep our eyes on the truth we know. God called himself truth. He wants us to know that he is the truth. He's firm and he's steady. He's our rock, the rock of ages. You know, there are a lot of hymns around the rock and around faithfulness. You know, I wanted that hymn, Greatest Thy Faithfulness Today. I mean, there's so much in there that, that states. I mean, it's just where God is, he is everywhere. And David mentions God as our rock and our refuge in more times than I can count. He is present, He is firm, and He is secure. He keeps His promise, promises, His covenants to His people. Now, time's not going to allow for me to go through all the covenants that He's made, but I do want to mention four of the major ones in the Old Testament, and then take us on into the New Testament. So I'm kind of kind of brush through it, so we won't be here all day, um, and try to make it. Uh, easy to kind of grasp and understand because I believe that to understand God's faithfulness, we have to understand the covenants He made with His people. Because so oftentimes I think I have even in my doing, I think of faithfulness. Lord, You've been so faithful to me, to you know that I have my family and I have you know. But you know what? His covenant was not so that I'd be happy. It was His covenant wasn't so that life would be easy. His covenant wasn't that I wouldn't have any trouble. In fact, if you look at each covenant that's made, everything that happens after that, there's a lot of disaster that takes place. And a lot of people die. But His covenant to be with us holds firm from the Old Testament to now. So I want to start with the first covenant that God made to Noah. He promised never to destroy the earth again by flood and gave him the sign of the rainbow as his promise. Now some people who've been in floods around here are probably wondering <laughs> about that. And you know after, I don't know how many of y'all saw it, but several people posted, in fact I have a friend back there who posted a picture of a rainbow after those storms that we had with the tornadoes. There was a rainbow. Uh, I think God is constantly reminding us of that first covenant with Noah. Secondly, we have God making a covenant with Abram. He promised Abram a great nation, many descendants, and not only descendants, but a land. And he also tells them, as he's giving them this covenant promise, he tells them, you're going to have many descendants, and they're going to be in captivity and enslaved for 400 years. So even in his promise, he is letting him know, it ain't going to look good for a while, but I will be with you. The covenant has been made and a promise given. The third major covenant was with Israel. And we know that pretty much as the Mosaic covenant, the one with Moses, the one that's so easy for most of us that watch the Ten Commandments to see Charlton Heston walking down the mountain with the commandments. And when he comes down, and sees the calves and throws them down. <laughs> Basically, that's before, when God spoke the Ten Commandments, he had descended upon the mountain the people were too afraid to go near. If you remember the passage, they didn't want to go near. Moses, you go talk to God. We don't. Want to, we, we can't handle this. And when Moses gets the commandments, he tells the people what's expected of them, and then he sprinkles blood on them. Remember, the shedding of blood is usually what has to take place. All these others had a. a um, there was always a sacrifice of some sort. So he sprinkles the blood. Then he goes up. He gets the commandments that God has written on stone. He comes down, and you know what happened. Where we've got people partying with golden calves bowing down and praising the golden calves and Moses breaks those stones and God is angry a lot happened then but it's after this that Moses asks to see his glory and that's when Exodus 34 comes along when Moses goes up to get the second set of commandments from God and this is when he tells him who he is. And this is after, I mean, I didn't even, I meant to say this, when the first commandments were given to them and they were sprinkled with blood, you know what the people all said, we will do whatever God says, we'll obey. And 40 days later, they're rioting and worshiping calves. We don't have a good track record as people before God. But here God, in the midst of their unfaithfulness, presents himself to Moses and says who he is. I tend to see the, um, over the years, I see God's faithfulness in the Old Testament in stark contrast to the faithlessness of his own people. I used to point fingers at those children of Israel and go, how in the world? But I don't do that anymore. I tend to point the finger at myself and go, how in the world? I did it again. And in spite of that, God's covenant promise to us, he keeps. The fourth covenant God makes is with David, and this is the most significant one. In 2 Samuel 7, he promises David a house, a line of kings who will remain on the throne and that Israel will always have someone in the line of David to rule if they obey his commands. Our Wednesday morning study is in the book of First Kings right now and we see the fulfillment of God's covenant to David as Solomon is, takes the throne in the first four chapters of First Kings. And you really can see God fulfilling His promise to David, and here Solomon takes the throne. But if you keep going through kings, and, and in First Kings nine, God speaks to Solomon and says, "As for you, if you walk before me in the integrity of heart and uprightness, as David and your father did, David, your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish, establish your royal throne over Israel forever." as I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons turn away, well, the rest of First Kings and Second Kings, you're going to see horrendous kings. They all turn away. We have a few good kings in there, but they're not many. They're few and far between. And in the end, we know they will be captured, taken into Babylon. And God foretells all of this too. He, he tells his prophets, they know because he is sovereign. And yet, many years later, a child is born in the city of David. Emmanuel. God with us. The fulfillment of God's covenant promise. He told David there would always be someone on the throne from his line. And Jesus is descended from David. And he's born in the city of David. God's loving kindness and truth are made perfect in Jesus. This is God's faithfulness to us. He will always be with us. He will never forsake us. Jesus loves us despite our sin. And he does call us to loving obedience. There are no conditions on this truth. He wants us to believe in him. Those are our conditions. He is faithful and true. Jeremiah told of a covenant to come in chapter 31 of his book. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. He calls us to obey, yes, but his blood has already been sacrificed to save us. It is done. It is finished, as Jesus said. Another quote from Ortland fits here. The Christian life from one angle is a long journey of letting our natural assumption about who God is over many decades fall away being slowly replaced with God's own insistence on who he is. This is hard work. When you really think about that, that's it. We have these natural assumptions of who God is. Bill talked about me coming to this church in 1980. I can tell you I came here thinking I knew a lot more than I did. And over the years, God has taken away a lot of what I thought I knew about him. And replaced it with who he really is. And enough so that much more likely now to fall on bended knee. It's difficult to know who God is because it comes through suffering. It comes through changes. It comes through life experiences. It comes through our failures. Just plain old messing up. Because that's how we learn that we need Jesus. That we can't do life without him. And as our natural assumptions give way, I pray that we will that they will be replaced with a greater awe. Moses was not allowed to see God's face and live, but in the gospel of John, we see the word made flesh. The word was with God, the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and in verse 14 of chapter 1, John says, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Again, Emmanuel. We have seen His glory. That's what John says. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father. Guess what? Full of grace and truth. Which is right there along with faithfulness. good Grace and faithfulness. Grace and truth. Oh, we could have a good sound up here. <laughs> we're going to dance to this one Emmanuel God with us I'm going to let the band finish playing we am going to listen again can y'all hear that I like the ringtone okay good that wakes everybody up right okay all right, in first John one through nine, you know, you should know this verse if you don't already. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In closing, I want us to look even more ahead to Revelation 19.11. (laughs) Can you reach it, Tom? Thank you. (laughs) I should have known that music was yours, Tom. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) in closing let's look ahead to Revelation 19.11 when John saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called anybody remember faithful and true When I saw that, I thought, well, there it is. You've gone from the very beginning where God tells who he is, that he is the faithful one. His loving kindness and his faithfulness, that's who he described himself as. Compassionate, slow to anger, a lot of those things. But today, this loving kindness and faithfulness the truth of God, all the way from the beginning to the end. God's covenant faithfulness with us. And today, we were going to have communion, and we're not. But when we have communion the next time, I want you to pay attention to the words, this is my body given for you. Do them in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This new covenant, which extends the old covenant, but it's his faithfulness to us forever. Forever. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. I'm thankful that you are who you say you are, that you are truth, that you are abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And I pray, Lord, that you help us all to grow in our understanding of what that really means in our relationship with you, that we allow some of our understanding of who you are to fall away as we see you truly as you are. And as Jeremiah said, that we boast that we can know you. And I know that takes a lifetime. So Lord, I pray you be with us and help us to grow in our knowledge of you and our love of you and our worship of you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.